The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. We got the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And uh, Nate, COVID's back. It's uh, This has been one of the more crazy weeks in sports with all the cancellations and people going out on COVID lists. It's hard to watch the sports and it's harder to even bet on the sports at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's not the on-field handicap or the matchup handicap or the like examining the line moves and explaining them because a lot of times these line moves are based on extreme COVID cases. And there's been a number of teams that have been hit this week, the Browns, the Washington football team, the Rams, and we'll get into some of the updated line moves a little bit later in the show. But by the time you listen to this, there could be some more COVID news that leads to other line moves. So I think the approach here is if you like a game and you think there's a big edge in your number or the matchup or the situation, I still think it's fine to bet it now before any potential COVID news comes out, because sometimes you'll bet against a team that has a COVID outbreak themselves and you'll get a really good number. Sometimes you'll bet on the team that has a COVID outbreak and you'll kind of be stuck, but hopefully over a long period of time, if the news is completely unexpected, it'll balance out in the end. So I wouldn't be so worried about betting now unless you really are worried about the risk of betting a game in this environment. But if you aren't that risk adverse and you think you have a good bet, go ahead and make it. Because if you wait till Sunday morning, you might miss out on some good numbers and not have a bet in your pocket. So what we will say before we start with all the bets and, and giving away games and stuff is just an update for the show for the rest of the year. This is the last Friday show of 2021. We'll be doing shows uh, next week, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, depending on what COVID issues look yeah. like in sports uh, and depending on um, kind of what movement in the lines that we see because we want to do some games for for christmas i'd like to get some of the nba bets out for christmas and hopefully we do have nba games on christmas this year and then we'll have uh, a show before new year's uh that next week so two more shows for the rest of the year after this one next week and then uh next next wednesday so that would be the uh, 29th so two more shows for the rest of 2021 just to get all our bets out there we want to get the christmas day games we want to get more bowl games and of course for new year's day new year's eve all the the uh, college football games that are happening those two days Yep, we'll kind of figure it out. I think originally we were planning, like, we'll do a Wednesday the 22nd and a Wednesday the 29th, but with all the yeah. news this week, we want to just be sure that we have as much information as possible, especially since Thursday isn't uh, isn't a holiday yet, so I think on, on no. both weeks, so we could definitely wait if we want to. Um, I know we, I was thinking with staying with the consistent Wednesday schedule, but with the changing times, we'll have to uh, also look to change, but... We'll talk about some bowl games between starting, actually, as we record this in 40 minutes. We won't talk about the Friday bowl games, but we can talk about the Saturday bowl games through the middle part of next week. But I do want to bring up last night Thursday Night Football, and 
if you had the Browns minus two on Sunday and the Bills plus three and a half on Sunday and the Chargers plus three or plus three and a half last night, maybe you just want to take the rest of the year off because <laughs> wow, up up eight with like nine minutes left for the Chargers. They give up the touchdown. They go score a touchdown. A minute later, they give up a touchdown. As soon as the Chiefs won the coin toss in overtime and the, the state of the Chargers defense at the time, you kind of knew that the Chiefs were very likely to score a touchdown and cover every number. So tough way to go if you were a Chargers better last night. That was kind of the way I leaned, especially at three and a half. But that's just kind of the, the NFL. Uh, just It's wild. It's it's just like flipping coins sometimes. And even if you have the yeah. right side for, I mean, if you had the charger, I know they got out down 10, nothing, but if you had the chargers, you were, you were right in the second, third and pretty much all the fourth quarter until overtime. So that was unfortunate. And I know a lot of people on Twitter were complaining about Brandon Staley's decision-making, but then after the game, people were really kicking themselves and putting themselves down because they had the, the bills on Sunday plus three and a half and the Buccaneers <laughs> score that touchdown. Yeah. When I think that a Buccaneers game was painful because was all the Buccaneers needed was a field goal. They didn't even need the touchdown. And then last night you just kind of felt it coming the way the chargers defense was kind of gassed and they were shorthanded themselves because both teams had COVID issues. So it was a great game, a huge game in the AFC. I think this is a game when we're breaking down the playoffs, and if the Chiefs have the number one seed and have a have a bye and able to rest a week, we're going to remember this as kind of the turning point game if they do make the win the AFC for the third straight year. Yeah, it was a bit of a microcosm for how betting the NFL is this season. Just insanity left and right. We had fourth down conversions that didn't succeed. We had fumbles on the goal line. And then we yeah. had the overtime game where we didn't even see one team play offense in overtime. So that was I think that's a perfect microcosm of betting the NFL in <laughs> at least this year, at least in the past couple of weeks, where you have teams with injuries, teams with COVID, just insane results uh, gotten in an insane way. It's just it's made it so hard to bet on the NFL in the past couple of weeks and even really the whole year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just it is what it is. And just be ready really for is. a. A wild Sunday, I think. I feel like Sunday morning, we've seen we've seen line moves all week, but the Sunday morning line moves are going to be unprecedented if there's COVID news that breaks on Sunday morning. And I think something I'm trying to figure out, because I'm in a few contests where I have an option maybe to use a few picks on, on Saturday's games, but I don't want to lock in all my picks for the week on Saturday and I kind of want to wait till Sunday morning because a lot of my decision makings with contest because the lines are are fixed is kind of playing on the on the line move to get the best of a, a stale number so let's look at college football because the NFL we can we'll talk about that a bit later on in the episode so let's let's look at some college football games we have some bowl games of course up until next week where we will do a show um, next Wednesday or Thursday so let's talk about some of the bowl games that are going to be happening before then we like a couple of these games we'll start with UTEP you like yep. UTEP Nate I think I can get on this UTEP train with you too yes and I'm just getting the updated number because there's been some movement um, right now UTEP an 11 and a half point underdog they're playing Fresno State and it's a combination of betting on UTEP a team that did not have expectations to make a bowl game and they got there so I think this is going to get a very motivated UTEP team. They're also playing in the New Mexico Bowl, and UTEP is 
in the western part of Texas. So not too far of a trip for the UTEP fans if they do want to spend their Saturday afternoon in Albuquerque. But then on the other side, Fresno State, they lost their head coach, Kalen DeBoer. They also thought they were losing their starting quarterback, Jake Hayner. Hayner was going to follow DeBoer to Washington. And actually, Hayner originally committed to Washington or transferred out of Washington to Fresno State. So he was going to go back to Washington. But then Fresno State hired Jeff Tedford, who used to be the coach there, and I guess convinced Hayner to come back to Fresno State. So Hayner pulled his name out of the transfer portal. He's going to, he's on the roster or back at Fresno State. There's still uncertainty if he's going to play in this game. But even if he does play in this game, I don't think Fresno State's that excited about playing in the New Mexico Bowl, especially because they did have a good year. I don't feel like they're going to see this game as a reward. And without the head coach, I could see UTEP, the very motivated team, keeping it within the number, plus 11.5. So that's probably my one of my favorite bets, I guess, on Saturday. I know there's like six bowl games, and there's a couple on um, there's one on Monday, one on Tuesday, and we'll get to a Wednesday one just in case we record on Thursday next week. But UTEP kind of sticks out as the bet for Saturday for me at plus 11 and a half. And if Hayner doesn't play, then that's a really strong bet. Yeah, let's do a, let's do another Saturday bowl game, Nate. We'll go to Los Angeles. The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, the uh, <laughs> inaugural Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, Utah State, Oregon State. But I, I like Utah State in this one. And you listen to some of these players and their head coach talk about what this game means and what they've been doing all season long, Mountain West champions. I, I think this game means more. And, and you talk about the motivation factor, and we've talked about the motivation factor for the past couple of weeks in terms of these bowl games. Utah State has that motivation factor. For for one, you just look at the raw stats. They're 7-0 and on the road. And, you know, this is a neutral spot game but it's a road game because they're not going to be at home for utah state they're seven and oh they're undefeated on the road so playing on the road playing in a hostile environment playing in an area where they don't have their home fans not an issue for utah state and then you you kind of look at some of the statistics their passing game is going to be really good and, and you look at the passing defense for oregon state not great middle of the road to to maybe sub average I think Utah State is going to win this game through the air. And it's a high total. 67 is the total. So they're expecting a lot of points. Utah State getting seven, seven and a half. I'll take that all day. I'll, I'll take Utah State in this game for sure. So do you think they're going to win or do you just just going to play safe and take the points? I, I mean, I'll probably play it safe, take the points. But I might <laughs> sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I, I think this is a game they can win. They've been talking yeah. like all week long about or the past couple of weeks about how they've been doubted and all season long they've been doubted. They weren't expected to win the conference and they come into no. this game heavy underdogs as well. And I, I, they're talking like a team that is playing with a chip on its shoulder. And when you have that type of team going into a bowl game, I think winning is definitely not out of the question. Um, and you can get their money line at plus 235, 240. So you do a little sprinkle on the money line, put a, put a hefty sum on the spread. I definitely think one of those is going to hit. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit – I'm not going to say I am disagree because I won't have a bet on this game, but in like a confidence pool I'm in, I, I have a kind of a lot of points dedicated to the favorite Oregon State because I agree, Utah State, great story, very motivated. They were unexpected Mountain West winners. They have a first-year head coach in Blake Anderson. But at the same time, Oregon State, this is their first bowl game in eight years it's a pretty decent bowl game, I guess, just being in L.A. 
So I think Oregon State is going to be pretty motivated. Their head coach uh, signed a contract extension after some rumors that maybe he could have been a guy for the Washington job or one of the jobs in the Pacific Northwest. So I think Oregon State is going to still show out pretty well. And usually when a Power 5 team plays a Group of 5 team, there's a I'm not I don't know what the trend is, but usually I just kind of at least to win the game outright always favor the Power 5 team just because there's a little bit of ta- uptick in talent. And in this case, Oregon State, I don't think they're not going to be motivated because this is their first bowl game, as I said, in eight years. So maybe Utah State covers the game, but I do like Oregon State still to win win outright. Yeah, and one of the key stats, too, Dave, I was looking at is Utah State's entire offense is mostly the passing game, and that's where they have found their success. Oregon State struggles to get to the quarterback. Uh, I think they're averaging like 1.3 sacks. A game, something like that. They they have struggled this year to get to the quarterback. You're giving you're giving them time to pass the ball. I think Utah State's going to be able to at least hang around, winning again. That's why I'm saying you know sprinkle maybe yeah. a little bit on the money line if if you really have the guts. But I, I do think if you're given a touchdown and, and that hook, you take Utah State in this one. I think they'll be able to keep it close. Maybe even give Oregon State a run for their money for for a win. And then one game I wanted to add to the list because of a chance that we record next Thursday instead of Wednesday is the Wednesday bowl game, and it's the Armed Forces Bowl between Missouri and Army. I know Alex wrote this up in the roundtable. You can check on WatchStadium.com with all our favorite bowl picks that we did with Kate and Ben and me. Uh, But it's Army minus three and a half against Missouri, and I know that we talk all this stuff about motivation and kind of – you could throw a lot of the stats out for bowl games, but in this case of, I guess there's a little bit of a situation here. And when Army and other service academies who run the triple option play in the bowl games, they have a lot of success in the bowl games because the other team just doesn't want to put the effort into preparing for a, a little bit of a gimmicky or gadget offense that they're never going to see again unless they play in a bowl game or maybe they have something on their non-conference schedule next year. So Missouri, a team that really struggles to stop the run, Army is able to run the ball. I do think Missouri will be able to score some points in this game. And I'm kind of unsure about how Army's state of mind is after losing a tough game to Navy last Saturday and if they get up for the bowl game. So we'll just have to see here. But if there's one thing with motivation, like you know Army is going to be very motivated I would be surprised if anyone on Army opts out. just doesn't seem like it's in the DNA of those players and within that program to do that. So at three and a half, I know it's a group of five team or an independent team against an SEC team, and the independent team is is favorite in Army. But I would look that way just because they have a huge matchup advantage with their run offense against Missouri's run defense. And Missouri's a team that signed a very good recruiting class, I'm guessing they put a lot of focus this week into National Signing Day, the early signing period, and not so much into preparing for a bowl game, the triple option. And the bowl game is the the Armed Forces Bowl, as I mentioned, and the game is in Frisco, Texas on Wednesday evening. So, no, sorry, that's not what it is. It's uh, I'm looking at the uh, the Frisco Bowl. It's (laughs) it's in Fort Worth, Texas. So I knew it was in the new in the Dallas. I knew it was in the Dallas area. I picked the yeah. wrong uh, – I picked the Dallas suburb of Frisco instead of the bigger town in Fort Worth. But, yeah, Wednesday evening in Fort Worth, Armed Forces Bowl. Maybe we'll uh, – if we do a show next Wednesday, we'll give a line update on that. But 
kind of looking towards Army and fading my alma mater in Missouri. It's an interesting pick. That that's the motivation factor there is very interesting when you look at both teams for sure. And I think yeah. you know we've been talking about how big of a difference that makes. It makes sense to to really question both teams' motivation in this one, right? I think Missouri will still be motivated. I know last year they made a bowl game and it got postponed because of COVID issues. So I think they'll be excited to play in the game. I'm just not sure how focused they are to stop this offense, very unique offense. And I think historically service academies do very well in the bowl games because they have such an advantage offensively against a team that's not used to seeing that offense. So let's talk uh, some NFL, Nate. Let's get into some NFL games because there's some very interesting ones, especially with issues like COVID hitting these teams. We're seeing players announced out of the lineup basically every single day this week, and I'm sure that's going to continue on into even Sunday morning. So yep. really be strategic on where you make your when you make your bets for these NFL games. But let's start with the weather report. The weather outside is weather. Uh, because it looks like it's going to be rainy for some of these games. We still haven't gotten much snow, but rain, we might get some rain for some of these games. Yeah, not really too cold around the country, which – who knows what that means? Maybe it's going to be really brutal around New Year's and Week 18 in some of those outdoor spots. But some rain in Cleveland tomorrow, and we'll talk about that game in a second. But the total in that game, not really weather-related, but more player personnel-related, is is 38 right now. And I'm guessing the rain and Ooh. weather for a team like the Raiders, who play in Las Vegas, probably that's impactful. So Rain in Cleveland on Saturday, and then there's also rain in the state of Florida on Sunday afternoon. There's actually three games in Florida. There's early games in Miami and Jacksonville, so maybe some rain there. And then there's a night game in Tampa Bay. But it looks like by then the rain will stop, although you never never know with the Florida forecast and the rain because it kind of just pops up randomly. So just something to monitor where there could be some some wet weather in Florida because there's three NFL games on Sunday. So we do have some line movements Get an yes. update on those line movements, as you mentioned. So the Cleveland game had line movements in the total because of injuries, uh, COVID, and a little bit for the weather. But the line on the sides moved as well, where the Raiders are now the favorites. Correct. So on, I think it was Tuesday morning, the line was as high as Browns minus six and a half. The Browns were coming off a win against the Ravens. They were actually in a pretty good spot in terms of the AFC South based on the state of the other teams and some injuries they're going through. And then the Raiders were coming off an embarrassing 39-point loss to the Kansas City Chiefs with a short week of travel, having to go back, travel three time zones this time for a Saturday afternoon game. So I think the situation was very poor for the Raiders. However, on Tuesday, the Browns put, I believe, it was eight players on the COVID list, including two offensive linemen. That line then went to Browns minus three. Then on Wednesday, we got news that Baker Mayfield has COVID. Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, has COVID. That line got to, like, pick them. I think the uh, Raiders were a short favorite. And then another blow on Thursday for the Cleveland Browns of backup quarterback Case Keenum testing positive for COVID. I think there may have been a couple other players, but Keenum was the big one. Because now we're down a third-string quarterback, Nick Mullins. And the line has moved 10 points based on those three waves of news. So now it's went from Raiders plus six and a half, and now it's Raiders minus three and a half. So I know we could talk about maybe like the implications in terms of the playoffs, but 
Let's just see what happens. By the time you listen to this, there might be another line move. My <laughs> yeah, advice, these signs are going right? to move a lot. My advice here would just not to bet the game at all. I know it's a Saturday standalone game, and people might want to have action, but I, I would hold off. I wouldn't bet the Raiders right now since because it moved 10 points. If you got to the Raiders early at some point in the week, great. Maybe if you want to pay, play back on the Browns thinking – the Raiders aren't in a good spot, especially without tight end Darren Waller for another game, then do what you need to do. But I'd hold off on betting this game just in general, especially with the low total, possible weather. Well, there's a lot of motivation for both teams in this game in terms of the AFC playoffs. So not really sure what to make of it. Maybe there's a live angle to get involved in, and depending on how Nick Mullins looks behind a bang-up offensive line. But for now, I'm going to Totally past this game uh, between the Raiders and Browns on Saturday. And then we have the other one with the Washington football team. Issues with COVID for them. They're going yeah. to Philly. The Eagles have gone from a three-point favorite all the way into double digits to a 12-point favorite. It makes sense. And I know a lot of people were on the Eagles when they were a three- or four- or five-point favorite, and yeah. now they're up to 12. Yeah, even at, at minus seven, and I guess minus nine-and-a-half would have been a good number because this Honestly. is kind of a – this line move just kind of – I wouldn't say it's come complete because there's still room for more because this game's a Sunday game. But, yeah, the Eagles open Sunday evening minus three. I believe the look-ahead was two and a half, but it kind of makes sense because Eagles were on by. Washington lost to the Cowboys. And then the news was coming out. Taylor Heineke was hurt. Terry McLaurin was hurt. The uh, Washington football team was already going through COVID stuff going into that game against the Cowboys. And then Monday, they're down a bunch of defensive linemen. Like every defensive lineman on the roster is either on the COVID list or IR. And then another thing this week where they were down, I think, all their centers. So they didn't really have any offensive linemen, which is an issue because I guess the Eagles' strength is line play and being able to run the ball. So that's not a good matchup for Washington against an Eagles team off a bye. And then this morning on Friday – Taylor Heineke, was, who was already dealing with an injury and was possibly going to be not limited, but maybe not playing to his potential in this game, he got put on the COVID list, and so did uh, Kyle Allen, their backup quarterback. I'm not sure if he, Allen was put on today or maybe earlier this week, but they uh, elevated uh, Garrett Gilbert or signed him to the practice squad, and he's now expected to start, and now... As I talk, just want to make sure I get the line right. I know it's off the board at a lot of places, but I do see a, an Eagles minus 12. So could go Jeez. up. But, yeah, that's why the line has moved nine points from Sunday evening to Friday late morning as we talk right now between the Eagles and, and Washington. And I was telling you off air, Ben, that I'm in a contest where like, the Eagles are, are minus seven and they're just kind of like an auto play at minus seven because the line is yeah. 12. And whenever you get five points of line move in a contest where the line is fixed, that's pretty, pretty easy call to just take that uh, line value and, and hope that uh, I, especially if uh, other play people in the contest will probably be on it. So maybe if you are, are behind in the contest and you need to catch up, maybe avoid that game. But if you, in a good position of finishing the money. The Eagles are kind of a no-brainer uh, in the contest at minus seven, but I will not have any money on them now that it's out to minus 12. And at the same time, I don't want to bet on the Washington football team because it wouldn't be a surprise if they got blown out by 20 or 30 points given the state of their team. We have five double-digit spreads this week. 
it's just ridiculous. And we're going, we're coming up on our NFL picks that we have. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to have any best bets in the NFL this week at all. I don't think you do either. I, it's just, this might honestly be just like a stay away week completely for me. Focus on the NBA, focus on college football. I, I don't know if I can, I can't bet on the NFL in a normal week. Like it just seems kind of <laughs> nuts. And now yeah. you have COVID issues. You have five double digit spreads. The totals are jumping and falling and it's, it just seems a little too volatile at this point to really have any confidence in making a bet. Absolutely. And I think this is kind of where live betting can come into your advantage, where if you're worried about making a bet now, and I kind of said at the top of the show that if you're okay with the risks, then it's okay to make a bet. Maybe not something in these COVID games, but in, in a game where both teams are in a more stable position as of now, it's fine to make a bet. But um, if you're trying to figure out Raiders, Browns, Washington, Philly, I would try to go with the live betting approach if you even want to bet um, that game. I guess it'll be more tempting to want to have some action on the Raiders, Browns, since that's a Saturday afternoon game by itself. But Washington, Philly, I think there's seven or eight games at the same time going on. So that might get hidden um, from the other big games that are going on at the same time. All right. So let's do some of these NFL games. We have the Colts. Jaguars, Seahawks, Saints is the four teams we wanted to focus on. The Colts, and yeah. I know we talked about it on Wednesday. You liked them when they were an underdog. If they would stay an underdog, that'd be great. Obviously, mm-hmm. they they have not. So they're still a, a minus two and a half favorite at home against the Patriots on Saturday night. Forty five and a half is the total. But you're still liking the Colts as a, as an under field goal favorite. Yeah, I I think we broke this da- game down on on Wednesday in the short list. So. Not much has changed since then. I would say I think my approach for betting this game is going to be waiting until tomorrow, betting on the Colts' money line, hoping that maybe the Patriots get a lot of public support because it's Bill Belichick as an underdog off the bye. And it's not just Bill Belichick. It's a 9-4 and four Patriots team that going into last night before the Chiefs played were the number one team if the playoffs ended today. So I think the Colts, definitely the way to go in this game. It's Colts or pass if if you're looking towards betting the spread. My plan, and I actually bet a little bit of Colts money line on Sunday night because I couldn't kind of see that the market was going to be towards Indy this week. I think because this game is a Saturday night, some Patriot support can come in and maybe get the Colts, pop them at minus 120 or something, maybe minus 125. So, that's my approach for that game. That'll probably be the game I have the most money on in the NFL on Sunday. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts Saturday night, big game for them. They're they're seven and uh, seven and six. Really need this game in terms of the AFC playoff race. And not saying the Patriots don't need this game, but they do have a full two game lead against the Buffalo Bills, and they host the Bills next week. So a little bit of margin for error for New England, while Indianapolis, a team that I think could be really built to cause a lot of team trouble in the playoffs with their running game and some stars that they have on the defensive end of the ball. Uh, this is a big game for them at home off a of bye. Yeah, it's interesting because you usually, as you said, you, you're going to get the public saying, oh, the, the first place Patriots on the road and they're a, right. they're an underdog. Like, I'm, I'll take Bill Belichick as an underdog all day, but the Colts at home – you know they're they're solid. They're they're going to be a good team, and and to get them, it's almost like they're undervalued as the favorite, which is which is really interesting. Um, but the Colts, or the, excuse me, the Patriots' rush defense is is pretty good. Or excuse me, it's pretty bad. So you're probably going to get a lot of Jonathan Taylor. 
I think it's hard to kind of figure out the New England defense in general because they've played a lot of bad teams. And then in games against good offenses, whether it was early in the year against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers in that rainstorm, and then, of course, that crazy game the last time we saw them against the Bills where the wind was so aggressive, it was like knocking over the field goal post or shaking the yeah. stadium or something, and Mac Jones held to throw three passes and Buffalo – didn't really unleash Josh Allen because of the weather. I think the Patriots kind of benefited from that. It makes their stats on defense look good. I think indoors, Jonathan Taylor, hopefully a healthier offensive line for Indy, could really kind of expose New England's defense. They're a good unit. I just don't think they're as good as their statistics indicate based on their strength of schedule and then some weather games mixed in. Yeah, the props agree with you. Jonathan Taylor's rushing prop is 92 and a half. For his rushing yards, which is certainly high. Um, I I would probably target some wide receivers. Honestly, even maybe targeting Carson Wentz's uh, over 226 and a half is his yards, Um, which at home, I kind of like Carson Wentz to go a little bit crazy passing wise against this Colts defense. Um, So if if you don't like a side, maybe do some of those props um, for a game like this. Sure. Let's see. Jaguars. Yeah. Next team. Now, this well, is interesting. This is interesting. A, so do you, are you on the Jaguars here, or, you, or do you like the Texans as the underdog? So I, I went to bed early on Wednesday, and I, I woke up kind of in, not in the middle of the night, but like 1230 a.m., looked at my phone, saw a couple texts about Urban Meyer getting fired. Oh, yeah. Checked my, my apps here in the in the great state of Illinois, and there was still a Jaguars <laughs> minus three and a half, immediately bet it, and then went back to sleep. So now that the line has kind of gone up, I know there might be some three and a half somewhere heavily juiced to the Jaguars, but it looks like kind of four and a half is the number we could go with. I think if you can get the Jaguars at minus four better, then you should bet them. And of course, the reason we're betting them, I don't think I really was looking towards them early in the week, but with the firing of Urban Meyer, I think this is the ultimate spot where a team rallies around a coach who yeah. clearly is disliked by his players. I think especially disliked by the assistant coaches, if you believe some of these recent reports out of Jacksonville. So I think it's a perfect spot for the Jaguars to rally, to kind of show that they're not at fault for the 2-11 and start and that it falls solely on Urban Meyer. Ideally, I would have liked if this happened like last week and they were playing the Titans but and they would have been the underdog and you know back in the underdog is a lot easier I feel like in this role but getting a matchup against Davis Mills Texans team I think is a good enough for a team that just feels going to be really rejuvenated and want to show that they're not the reason the season has gone so poorly in Jacksonville it's going to be they're going to try to give the a big middle finger to Urban Meyer by winning this game I, I think is the motivation factor is definitely there three and a half though don't love that extra hook no. in a game like this where it can kind of get a little well, crazy. I don't think it's going to get to three, though. No, it's definitely not. And, I mean, some places it got up to Jaguars minus five and a half. I'm not sure if yeah. there may be some resistance where the Texans are getting money because some people don't buy this narrative. But it is a very narrative pick, and I don't always love to do that. But this feels so str- – like, I feel like the Jaguars could, could beat them by double digits and no one would be surprised. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, 100%. 100%. They really d- did not like Urban Meyer. And as I look just kind of at the lines that I have access to in Illinois, it seems like four and a half is the consensus number. If it's somehow you can find a four or better, I would take Jacksonville for a small bet. 
Uh, but at four and a half, I'd, I'd be a little bit wary batting it, although there is a lot of, I think, upside in the Jaguars and that we're going to get their best effort and their best players like James Robinson, the running back, are actually going to be used and not uh, buried on the bench. Truly amazing. An amazing conception. Um, let's go to Seattle, Nate. They play the Rams this week. Uh, you like Seattle. Are, are you on Seattle at plus four as an underdog? Yeah, plus four, maybe not. Um, it's, this game's been a weird one because I th- was thinking Monday night after the Rams put the finishing touches off that win against the Cardinals that they'd be a great team to fade the next week coming off of like one of their best performance of the season. Definitely their best performance since the week three win against the Buccaneers, which feels like an eternity ago. But this was the Rams' best win by far in recent times. And I was kind of expecting a letdown, and they were going to be catching a Seattle team who has two straight wins. You look ahead at Seattle's schedule. Their home games in Week 16 and 17 are against the Bears and Lions. So all of a sudden, the Seahawks, one game back of the seventh seed, kind of have a glimmer of hope. So I was expecting the Seahawks, they're going to have their best effort. And then Tuesday, the COVID news came down with the Rams, and it's come down throughout the week. So this line was as high as Rams minus seven. It's now down to pretty much Rams minus four across the board. It actually kind of went up yesterday to five and a half in some spots because the Seahawks, a team that's done a really good job avoiding COVID the last two seasons, had a few guys go on the COVID list and Tyler Lockett being a very important wide receiver. So I don't love that for the Seahawks. But at the same time, I think the Rams have like 25 guys on the COVID list, including a lot of key players, nothing like Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup. So they should still be fine in that area. But they were missing Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Higby, a few other guys, Daryl Henderson on Monday night. And now it's a much longer list on a short week facing a Seattle team where Russell Wilson has progressively got better since the finger injury. So I think at four and a half, it gets back there. That would be my stopping point on Seattle. Not sure if it's going to get back there. And who knows, by the time you listen to this, maybe the Rams have another round of COVID and this line is closer to like a field goal or something. So I, if you got the Seahawks early, good for you. That's good betting. You probably could have anticipated that the Rams would maybe have a COVID outbreak based on their co-putting players on the COVID list the day of the game. But at this point, maybe just small betting on Seattle. I guess plus four would be would be fine if you think that the Rams could have more issues th- until the weekend. But uh, definitely the best number is kind of gone. Yeah, I don't know if I trust Seattle that much. I'll be 100% honest. They, I've tried to bet them a little bit early on in the season, didn't love it. I just, I don't know. There, there's something about the way they've been playing recently, even even bleeding kind of into last season, where you just don't really know what game you're going to get out of them. You, you just don't. You don't know if it's going to be a, a good rust game or if their offensive line's not going to do much or their defense is going to be extremely deep pass prone. I, I don't know. They're, they're always no. been a questionable team for me. Definitely. This is not like betting on a, a great quantity, but I think the situation of them in a must-win situation, catching the Rams off a bad spot, and frankly, the 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 options are limited this week. It's maybe they the, really are. other week I wouldn't even consider the Seahawks, but in a week where it's kind of hard to come up with like two to three games, I think the Seahawks are at least have to be considered on that group. And it's a good I, the fact that the Rams won and played so well on Monday night is a reason why I kind of like Seattle in this game, kind of thinking the Rams kind of have a letdown because they played one of their best games of the season, if not their best. 
So let's look at quickly one last game, Nate. Sunday night football, Saints in Tampa Bay, plus 11 for the Saints. Uh, you are fading probably one of the best teams in football right now. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say it's a fade on the Buccaneers. And this game throughout the week, I've kind of been a little bit maybe backed off a little bit where maybe a small bet on the uh, on the Saints will be in order, but nothing. Uh, maybe I liked it a little bit more earlier in the week. But the Saints plus 11, and it kind of goes back to the situation Seattle's in where this is kind of their season. They need to steal a game to try to stay in the playoff race in the NFC. And I think the Saints are being priced as the team that was very injured in November when Trevor Simeon was starting at quarterback and Alvin Kamara was out and Teron Arbstead, their left tackle, is out. Maybe we get Ryan Ramchek back for this game, who's missed a long period of time. But I think the Saints might be a touch undervalued in that the market hasn't caught up to a team that now has Kamara back, has Armstead back, has Taysom Hill back, who I don't know if he's better than Trevor Simeon, but he does offer something a little bit different. And the Saints have beat the Buccaneers in all three regular season meetings against Tom Brady. So just the number and the situation kind of has me leading towards the Saints. But at the same time, the Buccaneers do have revenge. They're a very good home team offensively. The Saints are really going to have to play a a near-perfect game if they want to have a chance to win. And even to cover the spread, there's an opportunity where the Buccaneers just roll them over, especially if the Saints get down early in the game and Taysom Hill is asked to throw the ball. All right, so we have two attractive underdogs we also wanted to get to. The Ravens and the Lions. Um, I will just say this about the Ravens. Again, I'm a very untrustworthy guy when it comes to the NFL these days, Nate. So I look at the Ravens. I look at Lamar Jackson. I look at how poor that offense has been at times. Six and a half is an interesting number against the Packers for the Ravens, especially at home. Um, this one's tough. I, I could, I could back, I could back the Ravens, especially since the Packers have just been so good. You'd, you'd think at some point they'd revert to the mean, maybe have a bad game here or there. Maybe that comes against the Ravens. Um, which if you can get them at maybe seven, maybe we get some late Packers money. I would take that. I'd take Ravens plus seven, six and a half. I'm going to approach a little bit more with caution. So right now the line six and a half. And I feel like because the line is where it's at, that Lamar Jackson is very unlikely to play. I think once he's ruled out, wait until kickoff and bet on Tyler Huntley plus seven or better. I think it could get even higher just because the Ravens are also dealing with injuries of their own and players missing. So not the most attractive underdog, I guess, in terms of what we call this segment. But I think (laughs) it's worth taking a stab at a Tyler Huntley-led Ravens team catching a lot of points at home against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, especially if Rodgers kind of – you believe what he's saying about his lingering toe injury? I mean, you want unattractive underdogs. Let's talk about the Detroit uh, Lions. Let's oh, talk yeah. about the Detroit Lions against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Lions right now, what are they, plus 12 and a half, I think, yep. um, at most places. This is uh, It's about as uh, unattractive as an attractive underdog can be right, at this point. But maybe a good spot for them at home, plus 12 and a half. I think it is because last week you could kind of throw it out just because they were missing so many players, not just injuries, but like the flu and COVID and they could barely field a roster. 
um, when there was like reports Saturday night that they maybe wouldn't be able to get to the 48 player threshold. But now, and I thought that was a bad spot anyway, coming off the first win, having to go to mile high in December. So I wasn't surprised they played poorly and that the scoreboard indicated that. But now you're coming back at home. You're catching a Cardinals team coming off a Monday night home game against the Rams. Next week, they have a Saturday night home game against the Colts. DeAndre Hopkins now out for the rest of the regular season. I saw that they put their center, Rodney Hudson, on the COVID list. If Arizona has other players who might be a little bit banged up, we've seen throughout the season they've been very cautious with Kyler Murray kind of playing the long-term approach with him. I still think Arizona wins this game, and they need to win this game to keep that lead in the NFC West. But I could see the Lions, a team that has played hard all season, and maybe that's a little bit of a, I don't know, a weird thing to say, just like, oh, they play hard. That's why I like them. Like, they usually doesn't turn into winning bets, but the Lions have been a good against the spread team. And I think even though they have one win, there's a lot of buy-in to Dan Campbell, and they're at home. So the Lions, if you can get plus 13, great. Um, I think there's a, some plus 13s there. Unless the Lions have like a horrible injury report, which is possible, I think that this line is going to come down a little bit on game day, given the situation with Arizona right now. And finally, let's look at Monday Night Football to end this NFL talk. Vikings at the Bears. The Vikings uh, lay in the six points against Chicago <laughs> on the road. The Bears... Uh, they're yeah. a mess, and everyone knows they're a mess. Um, I, I don't know if I would honestly put any money on anything that has to do with the Chicago Bears other than maybe fading them or, like, player prop unders. So, and, I, and I know you've been on the Vikings all season long, so is this like is this a good spot that you like for the Vikings? It's one of their heavier favorite spreads that, they, that we've seen from yeah, them all right. season long. Yeah, I like the Vikings when they're, like, an underdog or it's a short spread at home. On the road, giving six now, five and a half some spots. Who knows? This line can move more. And the reason this line has moved is because it was Vikings minus three and a half, minus four. And then word came out yesterday that all three of the coordinators, offensive, defensive and special teams for the Bears have COVID. A lot of players have COVID. So that's another team that I think we're finding out a lot of information about. They might have a COVID outbreak going on in Chicago. So yeah. because of that, Let's see, this line might have more room to go. I wouldn't be surprised if it does, especially if the Vikings don't have the COVID issues that some other teams have. Um, so it's probably going to be a stay away completely from me at minus six now on the Vikings. Although if you do foresee more bad news and information coming for the Bears, maybe minus six is going to be a bargain by the time this kicks off on Monday night. Yeah, it's definitely possible. If any number in this game that I like, Nate, it would probably be the under. Um, I I don't trust the Bears' offense, and we know the Bears can struggle on the offensive side of the ball. And the Vikings are hit or miss. They've been a little bit better offensively, but yeah, defensively, the Bears at home have been okay to manageable. And it's you know when you when you think about that thing, you see a forty-four and a half total. It seems that seems a little high for me. Yeah, but I guess the one of the weaknesses of the Vikings is is their defense, and if there is something that has been good for Minnesota, it has been Jefferson and and mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook. Not sure if Thielen's going to be ready for this game. I could see them being cautious with some bigger games ahead for Minnesota, but I think 
if you, if you look at some of the maybe season-long stuff, is saying, like, oh, the Bears have a good defense at home. It was also a much better defense in terms of having healthy players like Khalil Mack, right. Hakeem Hicks. I think now this is a really bare-bones Bears unit, and if they have more COVID stuff come out, it could get even uglier. So I would just completely stay away from this game as we talk on uh, on a Friday morning. And, and frankly, on, on Monday, I, I would be surprised if this line kind of goes haywire just because <laughs> of all the news going on in the NFL these days. Honestly, stay away. Probably one of the best advice we can give for, yeah. for at least for most of these games, you, you don't, week, you, in my opinion. You don't have to bet every game. That's the biggest advantage that a, a better has, that you could pass whatever game you want. But the bookmaker has to put a line for every game and follow these this news and adjust numbers and can get totally they're, – they're, they're liable to lose a lot of money on games if they're not quick enough to adjust the numbers. So I think the best advantage, if you don't feel comfortable, is to stay away because uh, the bookmakers probably are very stressed out right now with, with numbers and moving stuff because people are looking to take advantage of the uh, news information that now in the age of Twitter we get very quickly. 100%. 100%. Um, I've got a couple NBA plays, Nate, just to go through before you get to your best bets. Um, I like the Nuggets plus 3.5 tonight. Um, I, I, I think they've, they've struggled recently. They, they played the Timberwolves. They lost to the Timberwolves. They're playing the Hawks tonight in Atlanta, catching that three and a half. Um, I think that you can see a, a, maybe even a comeback win from the Nuggets after losing their last game. Um, Jokic played a little subpar, um, in his last game. And I know they're going to be missing Jermichael Green, uh, getting, they have Austin Rivers back. So I, I think the Nuggets can cover three and a half against the Hawks team, which is kind of stumbling right now um at this point grizzlies minus five and a half they're playing the um sacramento kings who are coming off a win in a game that they uh probably should not have won but they played lights out probably one of the better games we've seen the the kings play so i don't think they're going to be able to replicate that i think the grizzlies who have been playing well without john morant spectacular even without john morant i think they can come in cover that five and a half and then the lakers plus two and a half um Maybe it's a trap to see the Lakers as an underdog because usually they're overvalued and we see them as favorites when they probably shouldn't be favorites. So I'm going to take the other side and, and hope that them being an underdog is them being undervalued. So I'll, I'll take them at plus two and a half against the, the Timberwolves on the road in Minnesota. Um, it seems like LeBron and AD are both going to be playing. They're going to be without Russell Westbrook. But again, with all of these NBA bets, <laughs> Wait as probably wait as long as you can just just to see the injury report. We have guys who are coming out with COVID like an hour or forty five minutes before tip. So yep. they're really announcing these things late. Um, if you have a feeling that maybe a team's going to have some late COVID issues, bet these games early. But don't get don't get screwed by those late COVID issues, uh, especially with the NBA since they they do not care. They will announce that someone is out <laughs> almost like right before tip off. It's very weird. Yep, for sure. And uh, I think that's good advice that you gave at the end before making the uh, bets. So let me just go through some of the NFL things I liked that I talked about earlier in the show. I like the Colts. I'm going to wait till Saturday night to bet this or Saturday evening, try to find the best money line possible. I'm looking for minus 130 or better, let's say, for the Colts against the Patriots on Saturday night. And then some Sunday games. Jaguars, I'm looking for minus four or better. 
I did mention that I bet it where I woke up in the middle of the night and placed the bet, but that line has kind of gone up. Let's see if it kind of comes back down. Maybe some people don't buy into the Urban Meyer uh, fired boost narrative. I'm definitely buying into that. And then the Seahawks, if you can get plus four and a half or better, I, I guess plus four would be fine. I can see this line going towards a field goal with the Rams COVID issues going on. And then Saints plus 11, Sunday Night Football. I think this is an all-in effort from the New Orleans Saints against Tampa Bay. And it's a big number for a team that still has a lot to play for and has had success against this Tom Brady Buccaneers team in the playoffs. So that's where I'm looking right now. Obviously, a lot can change. I'm caps a little bit of money on all these bets. Going to look to add more. Maybe once we get a little clearer picture of the COVID situation in the NFL, if the numbers stay the same. But that's where I'm at for the NFL. No best bet. The Colts just missed the cut. If they were still a pick em like they were on the look ahead line, I would have liked the Colts. That'll probably be my favorite bet, I guess. But uh, no uh, best bet for me this week. And I guess my favorite college play, just to go back to the top of the show, UTEP plus 11 and a half against Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl on Saturday afternoon. I'll do a Utah State plus seven and a half. Again, not a best bet, college football bet that I really like. But yes. yeah, Utah State plus seven and a half in the uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl against uh, Oregon State. So I think those are good bets for us. Uh, we will be back next week, Wednesday or Thursday, and then we will have one more show after that, which will be that following Wednesday on the 29th. So two more shows of 2021, Nate, and uh, it will be mostly football, which we're excited about, and then maybe some basketball for Christmas Day. But until then, good luck to everyone. Read Nate's uh, NFL article at WatchStadium.com. We have the roundtable as well for college football, uh, for the bowl games at WatchStadium.com. Uh, good luck to everyone. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.